Christ! Long weekend. God is created. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, a podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare, from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on, and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature, Grindhouse style, where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise. At the end of each episode, along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon, we decide on the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Patreon subscribers also get an on-air shout-out and two bonus episodes a month when we switch from bi-monthly to weekly shows this coming March. So for the full experience and the warm feeling inside of supporting us, we highly recommend becoming a fellow Sleezoid over at patreon.com slash Podcast. And that's your plug. That's the only plug you get. <laughs> We're back for another show. Two weeks ago was the last one where we talked oh, yeah. Kill, Bill. Kill Bill and Female Prisoner, number 701. Both fantastic. Scorpion. Yes. Uh, the two probably best movies that uh, we covered. The two f- I gave them both that five, so it was yeah. pretty nuts. I, I, was, I was close with Prisoner. Uh, <laughs> and honestly, on, on a couple more rewatches, maybe it will. Because l- so, there's so much <laughs> style in that movie. It's oh, ridiculous. so good. Uh, a little unfortunate. The day after we dropped that episode, news came out about specifically the production on Kill Bill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What timing? Fantastic. Yep. So it was not a fun time for us. <laughs> no, because we, we were very... Uh, we were a little positive. ashamed for like <laughs> yeah. a few days there uh, about what went down there, and though, although some details later came out that, uh, you know, made Tarantino look a little bit better in that Yeah, light. a little more forgivable. It was a little bit of an oversight a little on, nicer. <laughs> on his part, especially to nearly kill one of his closest friends. Yeah, uh, a little bit of an oversight. We'll say that. <laughs> but he did seem, I guess, Uma de- declared that he was a little bit ap- more apologetic about it and that he actually did help release the footage and he was in full support of everything that she was doing. Yeah. Um, either way, both were great films and if you haven't listened to that episode, we highly recommend uh, doing so. Uh, but this week, we have our first guest. Exciting. Yes. So uh, coming to us from the Bunta Vista Socialist Club podcast is Andrew. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you guys? Oh, excellent. Excited. Very excited. Uh, Andrew has brought with him uh, from his native homeland of Australia (laughs) two Ausploitation films or Aussie-sploitation films, uh, which really don't have any sort of specific quality other than the fact that they came out of Australia and that they have probably hideously low budgets. Yeah. And they're also (laughs) based on nature, which seems like a... Is that a theme, I guess, in Aussie-sploitation films, uh, Andrew? Yeah, I think think with these two films, and I could probably uh, muster up a handful of other ones, I think in a, a... a few of these Australian movies, there's kind of a theme of, well, with these, there's natural horror, the idea mm. of kind of environmental horror, you know. And I think that's sort of specific to Australia in the sense of how hostile, how much of the environment here is. Um, there's some some ridiculous percentage of the country, like, you know, 70 or 80% is uninhabitable, basically. <laughs> wow. Um, Actually? 
That's crazy. I didn't yeah, like, know that. like if yeah, if you look at any given map and check out how much of the country is actually being lived in, um, the whole middle part uh, is very, very few people. Um, uh, you know, generally people tend to sort of stick around the coast, uh, up the top and way over at the sides. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, there's there's the whole chunk in the middle that is just like all desert <laughs> or all really really dry bush. Yeah, it's the kind of place that if you uh, go for a bushwalk and just kind of wander off the track and get yourself a bit lost, you're probably not coming back. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Well, so, I, can, I can see where that subconscious anxiety might come from then. Yeah, and I mean, like, you yeah. especially see that long weekend. Yeah, there's up, sort like, of a rippling It's almost uh, like the forest psychology. talks to him and screams at him, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the theme that you've selected in particular for your films. So what films did you bring to us? Uh, so I've brought to you uh, Colin Eggleston's 1978 film Long Weekend, mm-hmm. uh, which is about a, a, a couple who seem to be having a bad time in their marriage, and uh, they decide to go away for the weekend, get away from it all together. Um, and Presumably they, over a long weekend. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. over a long weekend. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and they sort of, they, you know, commit sort of increasingly... Uh, gross acts against nature and nature starts responding in kind, uh, basically. And uh, the second movie is uh, Russell Mulcahy's 1984 film Razorback, which uh, I think if people are going to have heard of either of these films, they'll they'll probably have heard of Razorback, um, which I don't know, I guess you kind of describe as like uh, Jaws in the Outback with a giant pig instead of a shark. Okay, which is a perfect translation, I think. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yep. I think uh, there was actually a review that they said it was uh, like Jaws with a wiggly tail or yeah. something like that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So that is, uh, that is about a, uh, yeah, a gigantic uh, razorback wild boar uh, terrorizing an outback town in a, in a very remote rural community. Uh, so yeah, it's a bit of a bit of an overlap with the uh, giant monster kind of territory there. Right. Yeah, which would have um, been which would have been huge coming after after Jaws. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's if there's any kind of movie you want to emulate, it's one that is a giant smash at the box office and didn't cost a whole lot to make. <laughs> yep, definitely. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, this sounds like it's going to be a good time, and I say that we just dive right into it. What do uh, you say? Long weekend then. Long weekend. Prepare yourself for the fright of your life. Christ! Long weekend. An experience in terror and suspense. All right, so we're talking Long Weekend, um, directed by Colin... Eggleston, um, this movie, uh, as Andrew explained a little bit earlier, is about a couple, Peter and Marcia, who go along with their dog, Cricket, on a weekend-long camping trip to try to rekindle their marriage and get over some... uh, some parts in their life that will maybe come to fruition later in the film. (laughs) Yes. Um, And as they're doing so, they have no uh, awareness for nature and they disrespect it constantly and nature kind of responds back quite violently. Oh yeah. Uh, 
and yeah, it's, and a, it's, a, it's a pretty it's a pretty simple premise, and I was quite surprised uh, because the poster has him, you know, pointing his gun. I was kind of expecting a a, a gun toting exploitation yeah, ex bonanza. And yeah, uh, I was the actual a lot more violence. Yeah, the actual results more of a, a slow burn character piece mm-hmm. with a, a bit moodier, a bit slower. Yeah. Um, but it, re- it really does work for the movie. Um, mm. What did you think, Andrew? Uh, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. Um, I thought, it, it, particularly towards the end, quite wild tonal shifts in yes. terms of like it seems like they they sort of put a lot of their energy into really building like a sort of foreboding, threatening atmosphere. Um, I, I spent a lot of the movie just feeling like, oh, God, something really terrible is about to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. no, and, and even even from, like, the opening images where they're showing you just, like, I don't know, what, there's some sort of animal climbing a rock is the it's opening shot. It's a crab, think, that's yeah. what it is, yeah. yeah. I thought it yeah. kind of represented the uh, nature at peace, too, yeah. before they arrived. <laughs> yeah, mm. but, and then, but it's got kind of, like, this weird, like, droning uh, soundtrack to mm-hmm. it and then eventually into a more of a wailing sound yeah, as it goes it, on. The, yeah. the score starts with just two notes just going back and forth basically and then as the the, the it, as it, the movie comes to fruition, it just the, the score expands with the film, and that's it worked really well. Yeah, and the the opening images in the in the city as well before they head out on their camping trip are are kind of like the shots from Rosemary's Baby, where mm. they're they're kind of looking at the skyline like that, where there's just you know there's something here. There's not actually that many people. It's just him jumping into his car and being like, "All right, the work day is done. Yeah. I'm going to do something." And just the actual tone is very upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> for what I we're, thought there we're watching. Like a couple of a couple of subtle bits right at the start there, where he comes out of his um, it looks like you know he comes out of his office. He's wearing his suit. Yeah. Um, seems to be, I don't know. I guess like he's being very familiar with like a pretty young woman that he's talking to yeah. on the street. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, he is carrying a, a package, which we find out pretty shortly after that to be um, a rifle, which it looks like he's just bought in the city. Um, he, jump, <laughs> he jumps into his convertible and immediately pulls off a parking ticket that's stuck to the windshield and just kind of balls it up and throws it away. He just, he just pulls off a, a little thing that's stuck to the front of his windshield, which mm-hmm. looks like a parking ticket, and just kind of disregards it. Which um, and then he and then he fires up his car and revs it up and then the yeah and, and this is all this is all in that slow high angle pan right where it's looking like we're we're observing from above him like yeah. he's like a an animal <laughs> like, yeah like, like yeah exactly yeah. and he and he revs up his car and it and then um immediately switches to a shot of like a bunch of birds being scared away by the noise of his car yeah that and does happen I, yeah. Yeah, and I sort of I I took that right at the very start to even be like, all right, this guy, he doesn't really care about the rules. No, doesn't really care about the about the laws. Kind he's of in, thing. he's in his own world. He's going to do what yeah. he wants. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So. He um he peels he peels off in his car and immediately starts driving like a total arsehole and honking <laughs> at people and like and cutting people off in traffic and stuff. And I just, I thought. You know they've done a they've done a good job in a very very short amount of time here of establishing all right this dude doesn't particularly care for the laws of man, and now he's about to take a trip out into nature. Yeah, and so yeah. obviously he's not going to care about that either. No, I mean, if he doesn't even care about his own civilization, he's not going to give a yeah. shit about the manatee. Yeah, and he goes <laughs> he goes home to his wife right after that, and his wife's kind of she's like working with some plants in the bathtub, and she's watching the TV where there's some sort of news report about eagles attacking people <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well she's um she's she's soaking she's soaking their ferns in the tub because right. they're going away for the long weekend and um 
and she doesn't want them to get too dried out while they're away, I would assume. Ferns, ferns are like a, a very uh, moisture-hungry rainforest plants that were gotcha. very, very trendy in the 70s to have in your house. Oh, okay. Nice. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I like that as well. I like that bit of sort of background foreshadowing of the, um, of the news report about like something weird and unusual happening with animals somewhere, and she just kind of walks past and switches it off halfway through. Yeah, sets the I, tone um, right away. I always enjoy like when that sort of stuff is well done. I always really enjoy like just the just the subtle background signs that something's not quite right that the mm-hmm. main characters are ignoring. Yeah, there's a very like subtly satisfying cause and effect to that, right? In the in mm. and the this movie does a lot of that in its filmmaking later on, where it it, it sets up an element kind of just in the foreground or uh, you know maybe off in the background, and then later it comes to fruition, and you kind of feel some sort of there's a there's a trigger in your brain that goes, oh yeah, that's why that was there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when he goes home immediately, you can already tell that she's not into this trip. No, no, not no. at all. And she, uh, she, and it seems like uh, she really, she really hates that dog. Like, you know, <laughs> and it, it also, it seems like that's almost taken a toll on their relationship itself before mm. they even go on the trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah they seem like they, they do not like each other at all. Yeah, there's between. like no chemistry at first. You, you feel like they just hate each other. It's, it's yeah, crazy. like, like it's interesting that we come into this relationship like already at a stage where it's in, in turmoil. Yeah, yeah. You can tell that they've already had this this tension between them for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I also think it's worth noting that um, before he even speaks to her when he comes home, he uh, pulls up the drive too fast and bumps into his own four-wheel drive with his car, uh, still, dri- <laughs> still driving like a dick. <laughs> he, even in his own drive. And then he, yeah. Uh, and he jumps out and takes... The modern the man, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, uh, he takes the package out of his car and uh, unwraps it and pulls out this rifle. Um, his wife doesn't know that he's home yet. She's come out onto the balcony, and the first thing he does with this rifle is point it at his own wife. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that tells you everything. Like, yeah, and you, and you yeah. get the shot that's obviously like through the 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 viewfinder, through the right? Scope. Yeah, yeah, through yeah the scope. you get it all. Yeah. yeah, and you're and you're like, this is a really weird fixation that <laughs> Very this guy specific, has. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, you're kind of expecting her to turn and go, oh, geez, what are you doing? And for him to laugh it off or something. But she doesn't notice him and walks back inside. So you just have this weird moment where he knows that he's like pointed this weapon at his own wife's face and just watched her through it before she walks back inside. Which again, yeah, it's just it's just that that disregard for safety and and. you know, any kind of consideration that he seems to be showing really quickly. It's clearly coming from like his, his own, like it's, it's almost like not even like a conscious thing. Like he's just almost expressing how he's feeling and his feelings are very telling towards the way that he's treating the things around him. He even does it later on, on the beach when uh, she's looking over and he's kind of frustrated with her and behind her back, he starts like doing punching gestures. But then right (laughs) after that, he holds her and goes, I love you. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) Like this guy is so conflicted. Like, He's just, he, he, I don't know. It's like, it almost like he, he's convincing himself that he needs to like keep the relationship going, but either of them don't seem like they want it. Well, yeah, there's, there's kind of like this weird, I mean, I think this is why this movie really works too, is that the, the writing for the central relationship really does, um, you know, cause this, this obviously in compared to other exploitation films that were coming out at the, at the at the time, especially like you know, this isn't particularly action thrilling. It's not gory. It's yeah, a lot more no. psychological, almost mystical. 
yeah. in how it how mm. it treats some of its subject very matter. Subtle. Very subtle. Um, and one of our patrons, actually, Kai, he wrote about this movie, and in, in his he brought up. Uh, by making the couple at its center dangerously codependent yet ragingly vindictive, the horrors <laughs> yeah. nature brings upon them feel combustible and spontaneous, uh, like an echo of their inner lives rather than just a contrived spiritual force. And I think sure. that he's he's like 100% on the money with that because what you get right here is you get very clearly signifiers that this is an unhealthy, unnatural, pretty much doomed relationship from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, that, and that was very much the sense that I got, not just in not just in the practical sense of people thinking that they can solve their extremely broken relationships with a weekend away or trying <laughs> to have another baby or something yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. People go, oh, our marriage is falling apart. We'd better have another child or like, they're just... You know, trying to trying to go all in on it, kind of thing. When it's when it's clear that it's like you said, that it's doomed. And there is a real sense in this film that, um, yeah, that the entire thing is destined for failure. That the wheels are coming off, and that they're just really trying in vain to hold it together. Yeah, and and the same way that you get signifiers that their relationship is 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 not really working, and the way just the way that they're so easy to snap at each other over a, a petty thing, or the way that they're going to dismiss like dismiss things that mm. maybe are more serious like her concerns and and things like that um and it reflects the same cause and effect filmmaking that this thing has in general the structure of it where you have he puts the harpoon down and you're mm. and you, all of a sudden you have a sign there is should that harpoon be there and within five yeah. minutes it goes off right in front of her face yeah. so and and because the director obviously lets you in on these things so early in advance and lets you in on the tone so early in advance like you're as again, you mentioned that you were you're waiting for something bad to happen, and that kind of feels like what the movie wants you to experience. So the whole thing kind of becomes this slow motion disintegration of this relationship, and obviously of their own bodies. And then you're just waiting for it to explode, and that's exactly where the film ends up going in its in its final minutes. Yeah, I also find it interesting that he kind of he's the first one that hears that. I guess it might be just internal, like inside their own heads, the, uh, the nature, you know, getting at them. But yeah. he hears that voice, that scream or whatever. And then yeah. when she later tells him, he just denies it and, and acts like he didn't hear it. He was the first one to hear it when they arrived. And it's like he just he just refuses to acknowledge it, which is interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he just doesn't want to validate something that she's saying. Right, exactly. It um, almost seems like he's doing it just out of spite, even though he knows that he should be concerned. He got the exact same evidence that she does. Yeah. And it's just, mm. it's bizarre. Like, he, he'd rather almost sacrifice his own safety than just say that she's correct, which is uh, yeah. pretty bad. Not, yeah, not a sign of a lasting relationship. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, just as, a, just as another exploitation uh, factoid, uh, so the lead actor in this, John Hargreaves, um, yep. he was in some other stuff that was, um, he was in like a, a handful of Australian movies that were uh, pretty notable. Um, there was one called uh, Don's Party that's, uh, that was based on a very famous play here, like a famous Australian play. Um, okay. That's just like a, a one, night, uh, one night play, which is about like a, a house party that a guy is making his wife throw against her against her wishes, uh, much like this character. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and you know, all their friends come around and it's on election night. So they're watching election night coverage in the 70s. And it just um, over the course of the evening unveils all these like class conflicts and 
um, people's different voting intentions and relationship problems and winds up in, you know, all this conflict. Um, but also he was in uh, 1986's Malcolm, which is a much better known uh, sort of weird exploitation movie um, where he plays the, the titular character. But he was also in 1976's Mad Dog Morgan, which is um, oh, from the period... One. Yeah, so it's like from the period in around the 70s where they were doing like a lot of Bush Ranger movies about like, there was a movie about Ned Kelly where Mick Jagger played ne Ned Kelly in the 70s. <laughs> I would I love have to, to see, see that, that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, well, this, this one, Mad Dog Morgan, was the true story of Irish outlaw Daniel Morgan, who was wanted dead or alive in Australia during the 1850s. And for some reason, uh, they got uh, this Bush Ranger to be played by Dennis Hopper. <laughs> So um, really if you like could, it would work. <laughs> yeah. So if you can imagine Dennis Hopper uh, in 1976 with a great big Amish beard playing an Australian outback bush ranger, uh, then you know, check that one out if that's if that's your very if that's very, your specific very specific niche. niche. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's great. Someone, someone out there just got real excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two one people. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I liked this actor who played the lead because, um, I yeah, think no, I thought, I thought honestly that they were both really excellent, and I mean, they have to be mm -hmm. to both sell. Yeah, um, they carry the whole film. So. Yeah, there's like other than the conversations that they have, there's no dialogue in the movie. There's one truck stop section, and then that's it. Uh, around the time that one of them pieces out in the last like 25 or 30 minutes there's just no more talking for the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he's just going he's going through psychological torment basically yeah so they, they both these actors kind of have a, a a lot to sell and what's interesting is that you know you really do know and we've established this that this relationship isn't going to work but there's a few yeah. really nice moments where like you're almost convinced that like hey if you Maybe. just like yeah if you just like stop being assholes to each just, other yeah, for yeah, like if you a just second sit down and communicate for five minutes instead of trying yeah, to one up seems, each seems, other seems like there's something nice there you can see what they're trying to save for like five seconds before they get yeah, into another before they fight just about snap something. over yeah. the smallest yeah. little thing like he jumps to go fuck yourself like <laughs> like no tomorrow yeah, yeah. And, and they're and they're so focused on each other obviously they don't see the nature stuff that's coming for them, which is, I guess, right. the big thing that we haven't got to just yeah. yet. They which see is, the hints, but they just kind of ignore it because they're so clouded with their own relationship. Which is just, it really is expert filmmaking to make, you know, a blade of grass menacing. Yeah, like, yeah, that ending <laughs> shot where it's just, like, the little... Uh, I don't know what it is exactly, but it seems like just, like, pollen or something, and it's just, like, with the synth... And yeah, like, or, or, the, or, the, or the way that like how am I scared of this? Have the camera like sitting behind, just uh, you know, in the trees somewhere, just right. kind of watching. Oh them. yeah, over the camp, that nice, uh, yeah, that nice shot. And just shows. just the way that he includes them like in, the trees in the edges of the frame. Or yeah. Um, well, it's interesting you bring that up because there were there were a few shots in there that basically looked like a like a Friday the Thirteenth, you know, Jason's perspective from the woods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that. That, sure. that kind of slasher POV stuff. That like. Yeah. 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 Halloween. Like a, and, yeah. And like whatnot. in the first Halloween movie where you would get the the shots from Michael's perspective of him watching Laurie and then you know it would pull away behind a bush as she turns around. Right. Um, there were shots like that in this of where it, you know something's peering at them through the grass and as they turn towards it it kind of ducks down a bit. Yeah. Um, but it, <laughs> but it never but it never kind of pays off in a specific way which i would say as well like um so so where, where we're up to they've they've got together at home they're going away for the weekend 
the wife has made clear that she would rather not be doing it. She is not really interested in camping. She doesn't seem like she's keen to do this at all. Um, yeah. But but he basically strong arms her into it, which is um, you know a a pretty clear indicator of what's to come in terms of their relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah. A vast majority of it is him exercising power over her and pushing her to do things she doesn't want to do. Um, so they start traveling um, to this coastal area that they're going to. Uh, they're driving along at night. Um, he's already started committing shitty acts against nature on the drive there. He flicks his lit cigarette out the window and starts a grass fire. Yeah, um, does he, and he, he so hits a hits kangaroo. kangaroo. Yeah. Which they really emphasize on it too. Like they, they show, they don't just show the kangaroo getting hit. They, well they do, but then they show the body just yeah, they show the mangled kill, by yeah. like the rest of it. Well, yeah. They, they, they show like, <laughs> they show like the next vehicle running over it too. I think. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And it's full on. Like it looks real too. It's pretty, it's pretty weird. To watch. Yeah. Did, I, I, I found out that that's actually, that is a real kangaroo. Holy hell. And that it was, I uh, was going to say that would not surprise me. Yeah. Um, they, they had, already it had already died and okay. they found it elsewhere Holy so they shit. they actually like uh, well yeah it looked real I they gotta say. they drove it in from wherever it, it got wow. hit elsewhere and then ran over it again so <laughs> that's crazy does that happen a lot like back like, it, it wouldn't Australia be hard specifically to find. or is it like did films back then do that more so I'm. I'm honestly not sure. I'm. I. I have a feeling seems people like wouldn't people get away would with that like, anymore. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't feel like anyone would be able to get away with that now. But, at but, least, but at but least can, in the West. Yeah, you can tell in the camera though. You're watching it. and You're like, because well, that's when I watched. I was like, this is. Is that real? Like, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure, but that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. Well, it, trust me when I say it would be extremely easy to find an already dead kangaroo. Um. By the side of the road somewhere. Um, oh, yeah. It happens a lot. <laughs> Any. It's like deer oh, here, yeah. basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, any any long distance drive, um, particularly at night, like through the bush and stuff, you're going to get a lot of them. Even um, suburbs in the city where I live, uh, if you're sort of on the outskirts of town and it's really like dry in summertime, um, you get a ton of kangaroos coming down from the hills to like eat the grass on people's lawns because they water it, you know. Mm. Um, okay. So, yeah, there will be streets like out near where my parents live and stuff where if during the sort of height of summer, if we're coming home from their place at night, you have to drive like extremely slowly because the streets will just be full of them. You've got to wait for them to get out of the way. Wow. <laughs> we've, we've, we've had one like just hop into the side of the car before. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so are they aggressive too? Is it like... No, like generally, generally speaking, if you like walk over to a kangaroo, they'll just hop away from you. They'll just keep <laughs> distance and, they won't and do you the have, giant kick to the chest or anything. No, you have you have absolutely no chance of catching a kangaroo that doesn't want to be caught. Um, gotcha. They move at a crazy speed. I would have thought that the only time that a kangaroo would get into it with you is if you like went up to a very large male one and started hitting it basically <laughs> yeah. uh, as as you can find uh extremely weird cooked people doing on videos and shit like that on the internet uh, i don't Amazing. understand why maybe those like back-end aussie people that were in the razorback or whatever yeah <laughs> those guys yeah. are the ones doing it so yeah the, they have the they have the running over the kangaroo part and um and it's obviously affecting to him he, um, you know, yeah, he clearly it, it, it seems like the first time he was awakened to anything other than himself in his surroundings. Yeah. yeah. That's the one time he seems remorseful for what he's done there. The one time. Yeah. It's very subtle, though. He kind of moves on very yeah. quickly. But 
Well, he, well, he seems a little shaken by it, um, mm-hmm. but he also doesn't tell his wife about it. Uh, when she wakes up, um, he just doesn't tell her about it. Yeah, because again, he's he, he's uh, he's ignoring the signals too, right? That's the idea. Because that yeah. was what you were saying yeah. before too. That he hears the noise first, and he just doesn't. But he's just like like, like he wants this trip to work and he's going to yeah. make sure that it works no matter what's getting in his way. <laughs> even if it makes means manipulating Cause, cause even as the bigger signifiers keep coming along that nature doesn't want them there, he keeps it like everything's fine until like he literally gets attacked by an eagle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not even then. It's when the possum attacks him that he's finally like, okay, let's go home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> it takes yeah, two animals. He takes a quite, yeah. uh, he takes a lot. Like he, he, the, the thing, the harpoon going off, the eagle, the manatee moving closer, even though it's dead. Yeah. Like, like he's just like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And then possum <laughs> happens and no, it's game over after that. So, so they do have the moment on the way there where they stop um, at a gas station and, you know, he fills up the car, he goes inside to, to pick up a slab of beer. You know, they're just stopped at this roadside pub and he goes up uh, and picks up a slab of beer. And the guy, the guy behind the bar asks him where they're going. And he says, oh, we're just going to, I forget the name of the place now, like it's Munara like, Beach or something. Yeah. Yeah. Moon, moon something. Yeah. Uh, beach. And the guy goes, where's that? And he says, well, I it's, hope it's, it's like it's, five miles it's just from five here miles now. Yeah. Down the road, right? <laughs> yeah. And the locals all say to him, never heard of it. Never heard <laughs> of it. Uh, it's nothing like that around here. And he looks and he looks genuinely kind of alarmed. Like he doesn't know if they're messing with him or if they're serious or if he's totally lost or anything. Um, and he seems quite taken aback. And he goes and gets into the car. And again, he doesn't tell his wife that these guys have said. Yeah. You're in the wrong place. Something weird uh, as fuck, yeah. yeah. We're, we're taking this trip. I don't care, yeah. Yeah, and then that yeah. th- that gets literalized, right, when he's driving on the path there, and then he realizes that, like, the path doesn't actually go anywhere, that he's just driving on an endless loop of this path. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, did you think I, that gets a theory that it's kind of like this whole thing was a psychological trip, in a way? Because, I mean, they say, those locals who would know the area... S- straight up say this place well, doesn't it exist. Seems, it seems, I think and it's, no it's, one else is around. It's more likely that nature is like manipulating the physical reality. Right, the idea. right. Maybe like the, their own, yeah, their perception, well, basically. There was there was the shot as they're leaving the pub where he's trying, he's messing around with something to do with the truck and, um, and his wife sits up and looks over at the pub and a couple of the locals have come like right up to the glass door like the glass window oh, in yeah, the door. Oh, yeah, they're just like eyeing, and they are eyeing them up. they are staring at them. <laughs> yeah. They are yeah. burning holes through the car with their <laughs> eyes. Um, and, it, and it, you know, zooms right up on one of the guys who is staring at them and then sort of crossfades to, um, you know, the, the headlights of the truck replacing this guy's eyes. And I took that immediately to mean, oh, so these dudes are going to follow them and harass them or they're going to do the... You know, they're going to do the, the, the local hillbillies harassing the out-of-towners kind of right. thing. Yeah. But it just... Exploitation. That, that never, it's never real. Pays off <laughs> yeah. At all. yeah. That just... Um, that never comes to anything, which is kind of... That's how I felt about the, uh, about the like, slasher point-of-view shots, where I was like, yeah. oh, so is someone watching them? Is someone going to pop out? And it just... There are these different elements of things that get introduced and just kind of don't pay off at any point. Yeah, I think I think the idea is just to create kind of like this this larger paranoia, and it's almost yeah. it's almost like a show of force. It's almost like on, why they on, don't on answer those part. questions, just to keep you paranoid mm. that whole time, maybe. 
it is a menacing vibe. Uh, yeah, all the way. It's it's very stressful <laughs> watching <laughs> yeah. it actually, because yeah. especially with the with the sound design that they have going on there, and High the synths and like yeah, yeah. It's, it's like mixing these wailing synths with like this, with the with the, the nature screen with the themselves. actual sound design yeah. itself and the yeah. uh, the obviously the the nature sound effects. So like the birds the bird squawking there's there's this really ominous one where she's spraying the ants and it's an extreme mm. close-up of the ants and yet you hear like bird screaming mm. and then the yeah. second she stops spraying it goes away yeah and i was just like are we meant to believe that the like the, the ants, ants are, are screaming, screaming out of death like that's pretty <laughs> yeah. metal oh, no, I, I took that to be there's there's like a, a lot of moments um like that where they they commit their various acts against nature and as soon as they're doing something um, as soon as they start committing one of those acts, yeah, you can hear birds screaming and animals howling and stuff in the in yeah. the forest, and it's very much just like nature howling in pain. As soon as they're doing one of these, you know, yet another one of these horrible acts. Oh yeah, it's just like a very realistic version, or I guess more like a psychologically realistic version of Hitchcock's mm. The Birds. Yeah, <laughs> especially that scene where she's just going through in the truck and they're just hitting the windshield. Yeah. Reminiscent of the oh, photo man. booth, or the phone booth, rather. Yeah, so I, I guess I guess we should get to the climax, because the climax is the whole time it's building, where it's obviously we've talked about it already, but it's this, it's this very, like, psychologically stressful, uh, very moody paranoia tone going on the entire time. And it's building towards nature finally swallowing this doomed couple. Yeah. Uh, and she she parts ways with the vehicle because she's finally like, fuck it. I think he's off looking for the dog. Yeah. Is that the, dog, the dog's refused. gone missing and she's she like. She even lies and says that the dog's dead and I buried it this yeah. morning. And like, she's she hates cricket. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, so by the time they're getting to that point, um, she has already been expressing in no uncertain terms the entire time that they've been there, I don't like it here and I want to go. Yeah, I want to yeah. leave. Like, she's very clearly picking up the, the sort of menacing air, even though she, she does have her own um, complicit part in oh, the right. crimes against like nature. The eggs, uh, like the egg thrown and stuff like that. Yeah, she's nuking the ants with poison, and she's right. like just spraying insecticide everywhere. She's yeah. stealing eagle eggs, and then, all and this then kind chucking of them at trees. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was another moment where the second that that egg hits the tree and smashes, all the birds start screaming again. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot of those very obvious audio cues, but um, yeah, but she's it, it, she's. It, 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 it ends up being a visual metaphor for the idea that it's it's revealed partway through where they she's just recently had an abortion with mm -hmm. with and it was possibly his friend's child. Yeah. Yeah, that that really opened up a whole can of worms in that the, the truck scene. Again, basically. this relationship was doomed from the very beginning. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's 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 clear that they're that they're not getting along at all, but it also becomes clear that they're having um, intimacy issues. They haven't had sex for a long time and she doesn't want to and he's right. like, "Well, why not? Why what why aren't you getting into it, you know?" And then um, at the height of them fighting, uh, she reveals to him, you know, she throws out at him, um, well, I didn't want to get an abortion. And, um, and, and that he really, either, right? Or he didn't want well, her to get it either. Yeah. Yeah. He immediately turns around and that, like, it seems again, it to spiteful, really, though. really fit. Well, yeah, it really fits the theme of both him forcing her to do things mm -hmm. that she doesn't want to do. Right. Um, and, and also the number of times that even though there will be something that, you know, possibly while he's by himself, he's not with her and he's expressed some sentiment or a fear or wanting to get out of there. 
And as mm. soon as she says, I want to leave, he's like, oh, you, you know, kind of have fun. Yeah, it's that it's almost that win lose thing again. He he, they view it as like a, a competition, like all the time, including who leaves first. And yeah. as soon as that happened, he was like, "Oh well, fuck," you know, like. Yeah, and she so she finally decides that enough is enough. She's gonna drive away at night. Terrible idea, probably. I mean, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't seem like they were getting away either way. But then she starts getting pelted by all of these. Birds, birds and she ends up in a spider geese. web <laughs> yeah. and she's running running around and then we lose track of her for a little while when we focus on him and he's go out and gone well, she, and like she gets out of the car and runs off yeah and then we a, and then we we spiders. we don't see her for a bit while he is just in like full caveman yeah. mode yeah. <laughs> where he's just like he's he's been reduced to like his you know his most primal self 100% nothing but paranoia going through his brain. He hears all these sounds around him, and he's got his gun out, and he's just firing at everything. Yeah, literally. <laughs> at one point, he just starts firing randomly at, in all directions. So I wanted to ask you guys, um, I I noticed that before you said there's, there's even kind of a, a mystical sense about some of this, and I thought it was interesting at the very start when they're driving to get there, and like you said, he's sort of he's coming down this back road, um, you know, it's not like there's signs pointing the way, but he just keeps driving and driving and driving and they're just not there, even though it's only supposed to be a couple of miles away. Yeah. Um, to the point where they wind up having to stop and sleep in the car for the night because they just don't know where they are. The next morning they find out that they're right next to the beach. He's set up camp and everything. But, um, but Marcia comes back and says that sign that we went past ages and ages and ages ago, just you know, pointing to a left turn. It's yeah. just a hundred meters away. How how could that be? How could we have like gone in circles or whatever? And he's like, "Oh, we didn't. We're here. We made it here." And I got a real vibe from that point on, um, almost reminiscent of like you know, uh, like the original Blair Witch Project, mm. where there's that kind of sense of um, you know the that that sense that once they're in this place, they're not getting out. Um, that yeah. very horror movie kind of sense of, of like you've you've kind of fallen into this place that's like a bit of a limbo. Um, yeah, well, and it's almost like nature has control of the maze. Is that they're they're yeah. going to guide you where you want you to go based on the paths that you think are there, and that's that's yeah. also what happens because it happens obviously on their way in when they're they're doing doing laps uh, that shouldn't exist, and then it happens again when she's running, she's trying to get away through the forest and she can't seem to you know, get anywhere. And that's where she decides to kind of off-road a little bit and it doesn't really work out. Yeah. Um, well, that was freaking me out at that point when she was driving through and the trees were just getting closer and closer together yeah, as yeah. she's driving along. And I was like, no, you're not getting out. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 this is, gotcha. and, and this is how what happens in the, in, in the finale here is that he's sitting there, he's at the campsite, he's paranoid as hell, he's shooting anything and everything. And somehow <laughs> she runs all the way back to the camp yep. even though she was going in the complete opposite direction of the camp and he fires the harpoon and gets her right in the neck yeah and my one of the Dead great center. it's a it's a it's a great moment obviously um and one of my favorite things is his performance right when it happens because he like the audience and in a way he's not even he doesn't even seem surprised he looks defeated yeah he's just he seems very calm about it he's just very like that 
make sense. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is what it was leading to. This is what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, like, did you think anything else was going to happen after and, this and he, and, he, and he just retires for the night. He's just like, well, yeah, there's nothing else I can do about this. I'm going to wait till morning. Yeah. And then we get a brief five-minute sequence where he gets up in the morning and he, I guess, finds the energy to get moving again, covers her up, takes the Jeep, starts driving away, and eventually he get, he obviously trashes the Jeep, gets it stuck in the mud. Mm-hmm. And uh, it leads to a great, <laughs> a great ending. Amazing, yeah. Really wraps up the whole. Where film. he, where I didn't I'm, really I, get it until that point. Well, because he, yeah, he gets he's running and he's looking for uh, <laughs> to hitchhike on a big yeah. transport truck that's coming through. And I think it's the truck driver that he sees at the one that's glaring at him uh, in the bar. I think it's the oh, same yeah, dude. Oh, it might be. Okay. Yeah, um, and. The eagle comes through his window, attacks the, <laughs> the driver. Like, no, you're he can't see shit, and he totally he just nails Peter, runs him over. There's this huge trail of blood. blood. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> and Dude, yeah, whole, and you're like, this is the only bizarre. way that this could have ended. Yeah. You're just like, this is where this relationship was going. <laughs> They make you, like, emphasize roadkill. <laughs> like, like, you're, like, you almost, you, you, like, start to, I thought about the kangaroo right away instead of him, actually. Like, as soon as it happened, yeah. I was, like, oh, shit. Like, like it, was, it just all came together. That they were, yeah, nature amazing. all of a sudden gets its big got em. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I thought it was, I, I thought it was a great ending. I thought it was very, I thought it was very funny because, um, yeah, like, that whole sequence leading up to that where, you know, so, so Marcia had been trying to get out in the truck and she had to abandon it and she gets shot. He takes the truck and does the same where he's, he's effectively just done the same thing as her, which is he's just trying to drive out by just going as far as he can in any one direction. Um, he's not getting anywhere. He's getting stuck in the trees, stuck in the mud. He gets out and he just starts running. He's already used up all the rounds in the rifle by firing off blindly into the night. Yeah, and the harpoon is sitting in his wife's neck. <laughs> yep. He's got and he's left. just... He's running, um, he's running, you know, just more and more frantic. Like he's at the point of just being in, in an absolute fearful panic. And there's the, there's the sound of just more and more animals getting closer and closer just off screen. And that, that whole sequence to me was very reminiscent of like, um, you know, the shots in the evil dead movies where yes. people are oh, running away sure. from like the force coming for them from off screen. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that, that really gave me a, a big sense of that sort of thing where he was being chased by just a mass of things just off screen. And he's, he's not doing any thinking at this stage. He is just in a blind panic, stumbling and falling and running as fast as he can just to get away. And so when he just finally pops out on the road at the end, you know, to me, to me, it didn't look like he even tried to flag down the truck. He just pops out and sees it. And then it's not an eagle. It's a cockatoo. Oh, it's a cockatoo. Is, yeah. So which which are not known for like attacking people or anything like that, which is why which is why it looked particularly funny for a cockatoo to just dive bomb through this dude's window and start flapping around his face. And um, yeah, so it's it's a very sudden very violent sort of punctuation uh this guy's death at the end of the movie but i couldn't help but take a certain sense of um of like they had sort of they had this whole thing mapped out about uh they'll have their crimes against human crimes against nature and nature will retaliate and they'd kind of built right up to this big crescendo and then they were like uh we got to kill him let's we'll hit him with a truck but what if a bird what if a bird 
<laughs> what if a bird distracts the driver and then we can say nature did it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I was very much expecting him to get like mauled by a pack of animals. Um, it's also worth noting when he's running away, he, he trips and falls and there's a snake right in his face. Um, oh, yeah. Which yeah. Lo- looks like it's going to bite him right in the face. Uh, so for international uh, viewers, um, I'm pretty sure that was a brown snake, which is one of the most venomous snakes in Australia. Oh, okay. oh yeah, um, I've heard of them. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look like much. It doesn't look like a king cobra or a diamondback or something like that. But um, but those very are the ones deadly. that where like you you're done. You're done <laughs> very quickly if you get bitten by one of them. Uh, before we wrap it up, the uh, just because you were speaking about the ending and how the 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 cockatoo ended up going in, and that's what caused the the truck driver to to do what he did. Um, apparently, the writer, the original ending was supposed to be more forgiving towards Peter, and the animals. Uh, we're supposed to give him a second chance, apparently, but the <laughs> but the sequence was too complicated to film, so they just they they switched it and did this. And he said that it was uh, he actually poetically he said he wanted another man to kill him instead of the cockatoo that came in and did it. He uh, wanted him to kind of walk out onto the thing. The truck di- driver is being negligent, like he was to the kangaroo, and then he just gets hit. But I guess they switched it because it was too difficult to film, or they wanted, I guess. They wanted nature to right. be the, well, 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 that makes the winner a lot, at the that end. That makes you know? a lot more sense with the shot of the snake that he was talking about, where yeah. the deadliest one of the deadliest snakes just looks at him <laughs> instead right. of attacking him, where all the other mm. animals have been attacking him up until that point. Um, yeah. Anyway, that uh, that's long weekend. Yeah. Um, get down to the, the old yeah, rating. This, yeah. This is this is the part of the show where we get into the reductive rating round, where we we erase all the words and all the nuance that we just talked about for thirty minutes. Uh, and we reduce the movie to, <laughs> to a number, a number uh, between <laughs> one and five, or I guess a zero. We haven't given a zero yet, but yeah, I, I don't think I've ever given a zero. Uh, uh, but this for me was a pretty easy, uh, a pretty easy four out of five. Yeah. But four out of five for, for me you? too. How about you, Andrew? Oh, I didn't know if it was too mean to give it a three. Oh, oh no, 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 no. I don't think so. Uh, Is there, yeah, I'd just, like to know your reasons just for, for fun. Uh, purely, purely because, um, it it kind of seemed like the it, it seemed like the guts of a better movie that someone had to shoehorn into kind of being an exploitation piece. You know what I mean? Like, mm. okay, uh, it it was like this guy had been had been green lit to make uh, a sort of horror movie or a schlock movie or whatever. But he had he had grander ambitions. You know, he wanted it to really be a character study, and I think a lot of that came off really well in terms of the relationship between the leads, the main performances, a lot of the soundtrack stuff, all that sense of foreboding and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just just when it came to the kind of... Like the, the actual payoffs, violence itself and stuff. Yeah, yeah. when it came no, to the big that. payoffs and everything, it, it just seemed to me to be a really wild tonal shift between, you know, this thing is almost like an indie relationship thriller in that kind of... <laughs> like, in that kind of like, a, you know, like dead calm, that kind of movie. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty sure this film made the rounds at, at some film festivals. So like it, it it's not, yeah. it's not as trashy as some of the stuff that we've talked about. It, it's got, a, I, I do think it's got some grander ambitions. Yeah. It just, it, it kind of flip flopped a little too wildly from, from like serious ambitions to uh, real schlocky kind of, kind of payoffs and deaths and stuff. But, um, but no, I was going to ask if you guys do, Half stars, half points. If you want to do one, you can do one, but we don't do them. Yeah, I just, I just, all right. 
So you're gonna what? You're gonna you're gonna go to a three and a three and a half? Is that what you were thinking? I, w- I was I was I'll take okay. a three though I'll take a three. Um, okay. I do think it was it was definitely very good uh, a very good performance from the lead actor particularly because uh, I just spent like two thirds of the movie yelling this guy's such a piece of shit <laughs> yeah. just, he needs to die he needs to die uh, which is exactly which is exactly what you want I guess in that sort of character and it's done in a much better way than say films like. Um, you know, anything by Eli Roth, like Hostel <laughs> or whatever, where where yeah. he just goes, oh, you'll want to see this character die if I write them as just a completely unlikable turd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. All right, so that's... Uh, you can still see humanity in, the, in yeah. the other guy in Long Weekend. All right, so that was, yeah. that was Long Weekend. Uh, now we're going to jump into the second film, Razorback. Razorback. God has created it. Given it a name. Now there's a new breed of terror. Razorback. All right, so we are talking Razorback, the uh, Russell Mulcahy. Mulcahy? I don't. Uh, <laughs> what was it again, Andrew? That's, that's, yeah, that sounds right to me. Russell yeah. Mulcahy. There we go. Russell Mulcahy film about a vicious wild boar, razorback boar, that is uh, terrorizing communities, I guess, on the edges of the Australian outback or in the Australian outback, just in general. Uh, this this looks like it's it's very much outback, which, um, which I should just note, I think, is an interesting distinction from the last film, uh, Long Weekend, because a lot of these films about... Uh, a lot of films where the sort of environment features as, uh, you know, a bit of an antagonist like Razorback or say, um, Wolf Creek, you know? Oh yeah, I know the Wolf Creek ones. So there's, there's that sense in the film of people being trapped in a location because you are somewhere so isolated and remote. And if you, like I said, if you just start running off, uh, you're probably going to die out in the desert. Um, (laughs) Whereas Long Weekend was the sort of exception to that in that they're like right on the coast. Um, they're, you know, they're right next to the ocean, um, just down by the beach and stuff. So that was kind of the exception to that rule. Whereas this is, this is right out in the outback. This is proper remote, this movie. Nice. Well, this has uh, an insane opening sequence. I, I loved it. <laughs> I, I love this opening <laughs> so much. Well, I mean, straight off the bat, it's, it's immediately really colorful and vivid and yeah. saturated and everything. So I think it's worth noting just around about the background of Russell Mulcahy, who is from uh, Melbourne in Australia. He got his start doing um, music videos. So he did music videos for Duran Duran, Ultravox, Billy Joel, Spandau Ballet, uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I, 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 so actually, I actually read that he got this, offered this movie because of the video that he directed for Duran Duran, The Hungry Like the Wolf. Oh, yeah, there is you it, go. have you seen the video? Is it based in nature and everything? Like oh, that? I, I haven't seen it, but I imagine I just read yeah. that. I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's it, cool. it must be it must be uh, visually kind of what they were hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Im- immediately you got like these. Yeah, you got like these deep oranges going on. Uh, mm. And one thing that's awesome is it's, it's the grandpa putting his, his grandson to bed. Uh, and there's just this slight rustling that starts happening. 
uh, and he becomes aware of it. And the next thing is just this huge, tight close-up of him cocking his rifle. And oh, I was yeah. just like, well, yeah, we're in the outback. Yeah, he's <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> Little slight noise, and he's just... Yeah, yeah. Like I, I would have like just looked around and been like, "Oh, okay, it's fine." Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, oh, he's pulling a, a rifle out. Yeah, <laughs> cocks it too. Yeah, and yeah. the the next thing is a giant razorback bore, or you don't really quite see it. You see edges of it. Yeah, just rips through his the house, house, like it's a goddamn rhino. <laughs> From side yeah. to side, <laughs> yeah. Just, Oh, yeah, it looks, right it looks like someone drive, driving a bulldozer straight through a house, isn't it? It just crashes straight through room Yeah, to and room. then for some reason the house is on fire. <laughs> I was yeah. like, wait, what? And it cuts. It's like a hard cut. Yep. And he's just like flames everywhere, <laughs> razor back. Like, oh man, it's it's unbelievable. But it really sets the tone of like the energy of the film, you know, right away. Yeah. And it even has that he has, mm. he it's his first one out of many in the movie where he gets on his knees and he screams out in the wilderness and the reverb goes on and like, oh, Yeah, and then so the, the title appears and the, the image goes into the title. Like yep. this is straight up music video filmmaking oh, right yeah. off the bat. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Oh yeah, man. It's a it, yeah. It's a very interesting movie to look at. It's um, it, yeah. It's all really, really vivid color and lighting. Yeah. Like everything in every sh- every nighttime shot is backlit by a massive floodlight. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of the imagery I thought was was very reminiscent of the movie that most people would know Russell Mulcahy for, which is Highlander. Mm. Oh right, yes. right. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. At yes, some point the too, old uh, yeah. Christopher Lambert, Sean Connery movie. Uh, he did also direct uh, Highlander to uh, The Quickening, which is a massive hot mess of a film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I recently watched a video. Uh, I think that's one of those. Netflix did one on that movie. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that's one of those movies with a reputation as uh, having been filmed and either being incomprehensible in its original form or having been retooled so extensively by the studio that it just completely stops making sense. Yeah, I heard they actually <laughs> um, have two versions He did versions also make a movie it. called... Uh, yeah, there is some kind of like, there is a director's cut, but uh, yeah. trust me, it's not a lot better. <laughs> yeah. um, he also he also directed um, a movie called Ricochet, which is uh, Denzel Washington as a like former cop and now district attorney who's being uh, absolutely terrorized by a psychotic John Lithgow, uh, who's, Dude, who's John someone Lithgow. that he put away coming after him for revenge. Way yeah, back in yeah the day, from like man. Third Rock from the Sun and shit. Yeah, well, no, he did a yeah, lot. Man, of, no, he did a lot of killer like, stuff back in the day because he did De Palma's Blowout, where he was like the killer uh, going after, like just the serial killer going after people. Yeah. He also did. Uh, oh, what's the other one by De Palma? Dressed to Kill, I think. Mm, I haven't seen that. He did Raising Cain. Raising Cain, yes, he did that one um, too. Yeah, that's that's the other De Palma one, which is absolutely off the wall. Yeah, well, we haven't done a De Palma movie yet, but we're going to be doing a lot of him. Eventually. Oh man. Yeah, that one that one takes a twist very early into the film of John Lithgow um, <laughs> playing playing a, a like a killer with multiple personalities, and he plays all of them, and it's wild stuff. But uh, Mulcahy also did um, <laughs> what, what I think is a very underrated superhero movie, which was the the like nineteen ninety four or ninety seven or something adaptation of The Shadow uh, with Alec Baldwin. Oh, I don't think I've um, seen that. Yeah, it's based on like a like one of those old. 30s comic books um, called The Shadow. Uh, cool. Yeah, it's got got Alec Baldwin. Um, it's also got uh, Tim Curry really chewing the scenery and um, Ian McKellen, Penelope Ann Miller. 
I, I really like yeah. that movie. I think it's I think it's very underrated as a superhero movie from before the the modern superhero boom. Uh, I rate that one high. Sure. So yeah, so this guy this guy's made a lot of a lot of you know he's he's made a lot of genre film, and I'm assuming a lot of stylish genre film based on seeing this mm. in the Highlander. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because yeah, this this one in particular, it's very. Um, He's he's got a lot of influences for this one because uh, it's got kind of like that Halloween Carpenter synth to it, of course, and yeah, obviously he literally work. hired the cinematographer uh, George Miller, cinematographer for the Road Warrior. So okay. uh, this this movie actually won a, a an award for cinematography. Well, it's gorgeous. Oh yeah, like, yeah, it yeah, is. It's, it's it's almost you look at odd it, how gorgeous it, it actually is for the film. It's is. it's funny because the 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 deep blues and oranges that you see uh, in the film during the daylight scenes uh, would eventually like I, George Miller wasn't even doing color that much in his Mad Max films. He was right. doing it, but not to that extreme. And then when he came mm. back and did Fury Road, not just a couple of years ago, those deep oranges and blues were maybe the highlight of that film. Yeah, for sure. Um, Do you think it, there, there was some influence too? Like the we'll get we'll get into it a bit more. But the 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 two Hicks uh, who have the truck, it's very Mad Max uh, reminiscent. Def, well, Even their goggles, you know, they kind of have like a, a look to them of that. This was only a couple years after the Road Warrior came okay. out, like two or three years. So. Okay. After that being being a hit, they this was definitely trying to do a little bit of a... The way I kind of saw it was that it was trying to do, get a little bit of Mad Max in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, it was trying to get a little bit of Jaws in there, obviously, mm-hmm. in the premise. Yeah. Uh, and then it was trying to do a little bit of Toby Hooper, uh, Texas Chainsaw stuff, obviously. Okay, When yeah. you're seeing, yeah. um, you know, you got where you get that kind of exploitation stuff happening, and you, obviously, there's also There's the, a grossness to the There's a gross uh, yeah. raw grit that you get to it, uh, yeah. especially when it gets to the scenes in the, the meat uh, the meat industry stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah. Which the is pet food cannery. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what sets the film in motion is, is this idea that obviously it, I guess in this place they, they kill a lot of wild animals and the opening scene tells you exactly why uh, they kill a lot of animals in, in their particular community. Um, but the main character, and I was a little surprised by this ends up being not because she's a news reporter and like an animal rights activist who's come into the community mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, like maybe expose some of the things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. But she immediately becomes the boar's like second victim of the film. Yeah. Uh, and it ends up being her husband is the main character. I was really perplexed yeah. when like 30 minutes in the girl wasn't the main character anymore. Yeah, I was too. It really <laughs> yeah. takes, a, takes a turn. Well, it kind of has, it has a bit of a vibe uh, similar to, you know some of the like Friday the Thirteenth movies and that sort of stuff, where um, where you'll have some teens, you know, turn up at the place and go through the whole motions and all yeah. get killed off by the slasher, and then they'll give you the title card and then start with like the actual cast. Now that they've told <laughs> you what to expect yeah. to happen, very true, very uh, true to them. So they so they do have that big kind of switch. Just regarding um, uh, that actress who plays the uh, the reporter, um, because yeah, it's, it all starts off. Um, really remote outback kind of stuff and then immediately transports us to New York City where um, there is this reporter talking to her husband um, about, you know, finally being green lit to go to Australia and do this story about um, the slaughter of kangaroos. Yeah. And as the second, I'm curious about whether or not you guys uh, thought anything of this. The second she started talking, I went, oh, well, that's not right. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> 
Actually, and, I um, didn't. I, I, until I looked up that she was Australian, I, I totally just, I, I didn't, I didn't think she wasn't uh, at all. I thought she was uh, oh. American. But as that could be because I wasn't paying talking, attention. I, <laughs> as soon as she started talking, I just went, oh, well, there's no way she's American. Um, <laughs> and I was almost relieved when she was killed off so early into the film because I was so like, good. I, could, I, I couldn't have dealt with that voice for the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, uh, I didn't. I didn't pick up. We, I didn't pick up on that. That's funny that yeah, we don't. We didn't but pick see, up but on see, it's but our well, accent. Well, no, because the, the, the first thing, though, that did occur to me was that I didn't realize they were in New York. So I thought oh. she was supposed to be Australian. And I was like, oh, she doesn't have that much of an accent it was oh, my first okay. thought okay. so it was actually oh, the American r- pretending to be an Australian <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great um, uh, but I, I thought that scene was really funny when she's looking at or the husband is watching her most recent thing where she's doing animal rights thing at like in the American South or something oh, like yeah. that he's just and like, the dude's like yo fuck off. yo fuck off yeah get <laughs> yeah. out of here and then <laughs> He's like, I was like, what, you kill guys, there's no difference there. Fuck like, off. Like, yeah, right, that they would air that interview. <laughs> yeah, she they came like, off so badly. Yeah. And he just straight up says, like, fuck <laughs> yourself and then walks away. Yeah. Like, yeah, six o'clock news for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she heads over to Australia. And again, she's she's looking to re- or at least expose the animal industries over in Australia where they're, they're again, they're killing lots of kangaroos is the, is the thing that they're doing. Yeah. Uh, I think that, those are the bodies the that are hanging in the meat shop. Or yeah. Whatever. But that, yeah, it's, it's worth noting that, um, number one, like you can go to the grocery store and buy a kangaroo to eat like it was a steak. Uh, um, oh, okay. Number two, uh, yeah, like, um, kangaroos as pet food is a super common thing even now. Um, and number three, on farms, kangaroos are like essentially treated as pests in Australia. So, so like deer like, and like like rats and like that kind of thing. That I guess. Yeah, for real, for wow. real. In the same way, in the same way that in the states, like hunters would need to keep down the populations of like deers and wolves right. and stuff around like farming properties. Um, it's, right. So, it's so the idea just, that she's outraged by kangaroos is a very American issue, yeah. not uh, not yeah, an Australian. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's like it's funny. She's like going to crack this case where nothing's like. It's like yeah, we all do this. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, like roo r- shooting and pig hunting are extremely normal things here. Um, <laughs> And and yeah, like okay, it, like it, you, is it, it is it normal though? Because this immediately stuck out to me when because she she eventually goes obviously to these the you know these outback towns where they're you know they do a lot of hunting and they do a lot of these kinds of things and she she I think she calls them like the intestine or the gut of of Australia because they deal with all these these meats and they turn them into product. Um, yeah. But there's a dude who walks through the first town that she's in and he's riding on a camel and I see we, we were as as Canadian, I was like, I've never seen someone ride a camel like a horse other than in like, obviously these movies where they're in like the, like, act, the like, like the, yeah, like the full yeah. out desert. Yeah. Um, and the dude's got like a boom box on the camel <laughs> and yeah. I've never seen that. <laughs> now is that a thing? Um, that is. <laughs> yeah. Is that a thing? Uh, Australia, Australia has the largest wild camel population in the world. Oh, so, so are, are camels like actually like horses for you guys? Uh, no, camels are more like pests as well. Like there's just oh, really? there's there's just like huge herds of wild camels just tooling around out in the middle of the country, and they can't get rid of them. Do, the, do um, people ride them? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's like camel racing and stuff oh, way okay. out in the outback. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a it's a like it's a leftover from uh, when they were like building railroads across the middle of the country, like uh, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever. And so they bought a whole bunch of camels over because they were like, these are good things for helping us do stuff in the desert. And when they were finished, they just went, ah, oh, we'll just cut all these loose and they'll just run off. Um, <laughs> and, instead, and instead, a whole bunch you made of a huge camels, population of them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, they, they just accidentally produced a massive population of wild camels that are now that now just come through and like clean out, um, you know, all the vegetation in areas and stuff like that. And <laughs> just great things. Yeah, so that's that's why there's camels out there. Yeah, and so this movie comes from the point of view, or at least from this from this lady. She's you know she's an animal rights activist, uh, and obviously she's also a city folk. So this merges kind of like the exploitation and the hicksploitation, mm-hmm. where she's coming into kind of like a you know a a, a bit of a, a bumpkin town where they are the you know the the main industry that they have there is obviously these animals that they hunt. Um, which is similar to Texas Chainsaw and just that that's, that's kind of what the, the family there gets into is the slaughter industry starts for them being kind of, uh, obviously automated. So they don't need these guys anymore. So they start, you know, finding their own way to do, use their own skills in the slaughter industry. These guys seem very much in the thick of their industry. Yeah. Um, because there's a giant boar who is just like, is he supposed to be really intelligent? He's like, <laughs> seems like he's controlling the other boars and like, like, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a very weird implication with this, with this boar. And obviously <laughs> this girl comes in, she doesn't know anything that she's talking about. And all these people, uh, they haven't seen the boar in a while. And the old grandpa is now, you know, like a lone drifter cowboy yeah. type situation. Just out for his vendetta. Yeah, he, yeah he's going to get vengeance on this on this boar. <laughs> it's worth mentioning, actually, that, um, that yeah, the so the house gets destroyed right at the start. Uh, yeah. His grandson gets killed. Um, and he is then, um, he's then brought before court and charged with, like, murder or manslaughter of the child. Mm. Yes. And they wind right. up saying, oh, well, you know, we don't have enough evidence to prove that it was you. So basically... Uh, his house and grandchild have been wiped out by this massive um, beast from the outback. No one believes him. And yeah. he's still on a mission, you know, a couple of years later uh, yes. to prove that it's real and to bring it down. Yeah. And it, and it finally comes out again when this lady is just nonchalantly driving through the outback, treating it like it's a, an American road where she can just kind of go and do as she pleases. Yep. And she she gets some footage of the uh, local psychopath uh, slaughter workers. <laughs> yeah. uh, and she, their factory. Yeah, and she films their kind of grotesque factory situation there, and then she starts driving away from them. Uh, and then they catch her, and we get kind of like what looks like a bit of like a Mad Max... Uh, chase this very harsh lighting oh yeah uh their truck truck is outfitted yeah (laughs) it's got like it's got like metal grates on it and and uh spikes on the front yeah well because it's 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 they're like a a portable meat rack is the idea yeah um and yeah they start using it to take take her down uh and they attack her and they assault her uh attempt to rape her attempt to rape her and so then the not boar. Good people. <laughs> no, in, absolutely uh, insane, in, insane mates. <laughs> it gets a very the hills have eyes uh, yes, kind of angle at that point, sure. and you think that, that that they are going to be assaulting her and everything, but uh, yeah. but suddenly they hear a noise. 
Yeah, and the boar comes. The boar saves the day. Yeah, the Razorback is like you know. I'm going to kill babies, but I don't like women being raped, and I'm going to stop Well, that. see, what's funny is, is that that's your immediate reaction, is you're like, oh, she's being saved by the boar. And yeah. then 30 seconds later, the boar Kills is her. eating her. Yeah. <laughs> Just to throw this in there, it's reminiscent of, actually, in, uh, remember I was telling you, Friday the 13th, part 8, when he goes to Manhattan, and yeah. he actually, Jason, saves a girl from rape and then kills her right after. And I was like, I immediately sequence. thought of that with, uh, with the Razorback <laughs> moment here. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm like, there's some good I, in them. They're just uh, killing machines. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely got, like, um, at, at points of this, I got a vibe of, like, the, uh, like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies where mm. there's just that really... A really stylized, really heightened sense of reality. Uh, a lot of that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Especially with, in the and, end. And yeah, the, I think that the, the... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the... Um, yeah, I think the the practical effects in this movie are great. Yeah, um, for sure. I think the, Definitely. you know... The they, giant, they actually spent 250000 on the mechanical bore. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think they do well in terms of, like, not showing you too much of the bore too quickly. They do a lot of keeping it out of sight. Um, so, you know, I think, I think they, they do really well at like, um, particularly the scenes that are set at nighttime, like this one where the American reporter, um, you know, the, 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 the rednecks have been scared off or, or bogans as we would call them here. Um, Bogans? They get scared off by the giant or bogans. Bogans. Okay. Um, (laughs) That is, uh, that's like our version of hillbillies or or rednecks or whatever. (laughs) Cool. Um, and... And yeah, so they've been they've been scared off, and she's just alone by herself in her car and trying to get herself together. Yeah, and and the way the way that it cuts that action at night when she gets attacked, it's like a close up of the boar's like grotesque mouth drooling and yeah. ripping through the thing, and then yeah. blood blood just sprays like the inside of the windshield, and then you know she and then a close up of her screaming face, and then you know some some neat trickery with the the boar hanging out of the the car that it's halfway into, yeah. and like then I'm pretty sure you start hearing like a crunch almost. Yeah, like she's and, being pulled away. Yeah, uh, and the the way that the it's lit it's, is obviously it's quite prolonged, isn't it? Uh, it is. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty out there. Yeah. Yeah, and the, like, the yeah they 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 really kind of. It doesn't just sweep in and take her. It like she's desperately trying to hang on to the car as it starts with her legs. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. keeps and it, going. It, the the sounds but, um, made me visualize like it like almost like an anaconda just eating her. <laughs> as it went. Like it was. I if I might be yeah. mistaken, but I heard. I thought I was hearing like crunching sounds and shit. I was like, damn. No, the the, the huge style and the huge sound design. Um, yeah were really beneficial to this movie because I think it, it's lacking in some of the, obviously, the character writing in a way that Long Weekend wasn't. Yeah, it's a bit um, predictable on on those, mm. in that regard. Like, but it, I mean, it, it makes up for it in some of the way that it, uh, some of its images and some of its editing, especially when they, when the two, you, you called them bo- Bogans? Bogans? Yeah. When they, they when yes. eventually the, the husband makes his way over to Australia in search of his wife, um, th- and he he teams up with with the Bogans to you know take him out into the outback safely and help him help him figure this out. And uh, they strand him out there, and he kind of has like a like a, a day and a half long journey, like where, psychedelic trip. Yeah, yeah, basically. like yeah. And it's it's this weird like He's abstract fever dream <laughs> uh, where yeah, where he you know the 
there's these images of the of the dead desert that you see, and it's almost like Jodorowsky. Yeah, and it's I felt like the doors should start playing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's wild. And I, I actually before that point when when they do strand him out there because he um. I think they they shoot a kangaroo and or he shoots a kangaroo or something. Um, they, they've got him operating the spotlight on top of the truck uh, yes. while they shoot a kangaroo and you know and he realizes it isn't dead and they say oh well finish it off that's what you got to do, um, which in fairness is how it works uh, and and he can't bring himself to do it. He throws up and these these roo shooters are disgusted by him. And they say, you just stay here. They throw him a, um, they throw him like a kangaroo skin to wrap himself up in because he's out in the middle of the desert at night. Yeah. Um, and they just bail out and leave him there and say, oh, we'll be back in five or six <laughs> five hours. Five or six hours, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I love when he, when, he, when he climbs the post. He climbs the post to like sleep and he wakes up in the morning and all these pigs are like around it yeah. and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. the, that was my favorite yeah. sequence actually was the but sequence even, where he gets stranded in the desert because it's uh, it, it actually did also remind me of The Hills Have Eyes but the climax of The Hills Have Eyes okay. where, the, where the family finally decides that it has to like get savage in order to right. uh, you know yeah, get, is, get out of this situation alive. That is kind of alive. his transformation to badass. You know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he finally gets to the farm, he faints and then from there... It seems like he's really focused on, but but on the way that they depict the the outback yeah. here is is almost expressionistic in in the way that it's visualized and stuff like that, yeah. which is you know obviously it's a big difference from Long Weekend, which takes more of a realist approach. But with this one, I, I think what really helped lend to that was um, particularly in the nighttime scenes was uh, was the way a lot of it was lit, where it was all very kind of um, starkly lit from behind. So you got this really high contrast between any oh, of the they, sort they, of objects they got those fog in his immediate going. vicinity. <laughs> yeah, and so and so anything that's sort of outside of the immediate vicinity of, of where he is and what he can see is just black. You can't see anything out yeah. beyond where he is. And I, I think they did a really good job with that of, um, again, bringing in that sort of Australian element of, the environment is really hostile. You're not supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah. um, if you get stuck somewhere, if you get lost, you're probably going to die. There's also that whole aspect as well, and this is this is where I I really felt it started to get that Jaws influence. Was him being marooned in the pitch black middle of the night out in the Australian outback by himself, and he's a foreigner too. He's got no clue where he <laughs> is, and the threat is just the threat is just out of out of sight, you know. Yeah. Um, even when he starts to hear the, even when he starts to hear the giant pig, you know, like it's all it's 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 very much kind of the land-based equivalent of being stuck in the middle of the ocean and knowing that mm. there's sharks swimming around you. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to hide or anything like that. You are just completely marooned. And he, at that point, where he hears something, um, this is after he's been. Um, after he's fallen asleep, cradling the dead kangaroo for the warmth from its body. Yeah, and he, and he he hears he gets woken up by the sound of something crashing around in the bush, um, and he freaks out and gets up and starts to run. And again, that that really gave me that Evil Dead being chased by something that's just out of out of screen, you know, just off camera. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this massive scary threat. And like you said, then he just winds up having this huge hallucinogenic uh, <laughs> trip through the through the 
middle of the desert. Yeah, um, it's, it's, wild, it's, wild it's, it's, it's almost sci-fi. Like it's so yeah. it's so odd. It's such a, and it's especially compared to the rest of the film. It that that scene was so left field. It works really well. Yeah, but it it really it took it like it was it surprised me. Yeah, really a- apparently uh, the director actually received a call from Steven Spielberg asking him about how he actually did some of those effects when during the desert scene. Like, the use of the matte paint. I'm guessing they said this awesome. is like Jaws. Watch it, and he was like, yeah. "Okay." <laughs> like the, the there's a one sequence where there's like <laughs> jagged trees and stuff, and like it, it's it's really well done. Like it, that's the how they do it, right? Matte paintings or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's how they do that. It was it's very yeah, cool, yeah. and it works with the style. I have the big too. crack through the middle of the uh, yeah, and I, and I I love when he finally gets out of the desert and he reaches a you know he re- he reaches a house and it ends up being the the house of the daughter of or the granddaughter of the hunt or no sorry the I daughter of the hunter. I, I think. Uh, I don't know if What's they're the, actually related. I thought she was a hired person that he she just works for him. Was Could it the daughter wrong. Andrew? Uh, well, there, I think earlier on in the film there was some sort of interaction with the mother of of his grandson, like during the court case, and and it wasn't the same woman. Mm, um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not totally sure. But I, I, she, she definitely works with him or something like that. I just remember a scene where she mentioned something yeah. about getting paid. Like be, she's being paid for something because he asks why she's even here or something like yeah. that. Yeah, well, either way, he shows, anyway. up to, he shows up to this house and there's, uh, yep. there's a cute blonde girl at the house and she saves him and all of this. And then he wakes up. Oh, and he's looking at the back of her head, and all of a sudden face. she turns around and she's got the big old boar face on her for like face. two seconds. Yeah. That actually that, got me. That got I me. Say, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I jumped a little that. bit at that one. Really made me think of. Um, it really made me think of the similar sort of sequence in American Werewolf in London. Yes. Um, where, where he's where he's like having his nightmares after being attacked by the werewolf, and um, yeah, he's being looked after by a nurse who swivels around, and suddenly she's all wolf faced. Yeah. Um, or the other scenes where the where like the um, where the kind of wolf faced Nazis pile into the room and start stabbing everybody, <laughs> but yeah, just that just that sudden moment of like, yeah, unreality uh, just before he wakes up. Did anyone else get a vibe from the lead actor where like he kind of reminded me of um, Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Oh, I haven't seen like, that. He, <laughs> Kind of is it? Is that a? Yeah, he, he had a, one, he had a bit of Dennis he? face. Yeah, Dennis. Oh, for sure, dude. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. He totally had a Dennis face. <laughs> it would have been great if he added a little bit of that character yep. into the movie. <laughs> yeah. So the rest of the movie kind of becomes uh, the husband looking for his wife, but it's really confusing because then he seems attracted to the blonde girl and he kind of forgets about his wife. So it just becomes getting vengeance on the boar. Yeah. It seems. It, it almost seems like the the movie just felt like it needed that i guess that 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 relationship uh of some in, of some kind it, it, it was an excuse to get the husband over there was yeah. the idea and then, then and then all of, and then it's all of a sudden he's got to get revenge on the boar and he's got to take out the uh mm. the the hicks and that's kind of what the rest of the movie yeah uh and then just as forget the my wife. This girl's got gorgeous blue eyes. Yeah, and then and then yeah, and then the hunt the the grandpa hunter is obviously still trying to get vengeance as well. Yeah. Have you guys uh, have you guys seen the Steven Seagal film Hard to Kill? No. Is she in it? It's a um, it's a schlocky classic. It's one of my absolute favorite Steven Seagal movies. He um, his character, the excellently named Mason Storm, <laughs> um, has like he's. He's he's got himself some incriminating evidence about a senator, and he hides it. And then his um, 
he gets attacked in his home by like uh, the mafia or whatever, and they kill his his wife and son, and he he gets shot up a bunch too, goes to hospital, um, and he goes into a coma. And so another cop, a friend of his, hides him away. And he is in the L.A. Coma Center for seven years um, while Kelly LeBrock from Weird Science looks after him. Um, and then he finally wakes up and he sets about on his journey of revenge. And, of course, like within, you know, a week of waking up, he's fucking Kelly LeBrock. And I'm just like, dude, as far as you're concerned, your wife died a week ago. Like, you just woke up. You just woke up. You're still in the middle of like training yourself to take revenge on the people who killed your wife, and you're banging this lady. It yeah. doesn't make doesn't make a huge amount of sense. And that's what <laughs> it, I was immediately struck by that in this movie when he gets dropped off yeah. by uh, by the girl somewhere, and he like they give each other a nice kiss, and I'm like, aren't you still looking for your dead wife? Yeah, like it, <laughs> it seems like the psychological the trip here? just changed his entire mentality. <laughs> There's like that trip in the desert changed yep. me, man. I don't, I don't need my wife anymore. I just yeah. Now I, now vengeance. I just need to kill this boar. <laughs> That's yeah. right. I'm a part of Australia. Um, and there's a great moment where the 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 hunter, the grandpa hunter, is is observing the uh, the the boar and his his whole flock of of piglets. Uh, and they're all, they're all chilling there. And the second he, he, you know, he's doing that thing where he's looking through the binoculars and the, the camera's following his, his view through it. And then he catches a glimpse of it and it does that big old jaws dolly zoom shot where he's like, <gasps> yeah, the boar and he starts firing at it. And, oh yeah, there's, it's the, the way that this is cut and the way that it's edited, it's very clearly by a guy who does music videos because the, the visual, like, you this could almost be a silent movie in the way that it's done with visual storytelling. Yeah. Um, yeah, there really mm. isn't much, like, important dialogue. You no. Know? Like, it's it's really, really, it really could be done <laughs> visually in, in, a, in a minimal. Yeah, oh, and, yeah. and, and what, what happens after that? There's some great visuals in this movie, like, um, there's a character who, like, he never gets any dialogue or anything like that, but a guy who's just been setting up, like, um, traps outside of his house. He sets up, like, a big a big one of those, um, you know, bear trap kind of things with a net over it, um, which is chained up to, like, the corner of his house. And he goes inside and watches TV. And at some point, we hear a whole bunch of noise outside. And then there's a great deal of rumbling um, and the trap has obviously latched onto uh, the giant boar, which runs off with it and literally tears off the entire corner of his house, <laughs> yeah. uh, which has the TV in it that he's watching. Oh, dude, I, I, I runs John off with it into beard. the night. Yeah, I loved the part where the where the, the whole corner of the house is being pulled away, and yet the TV is still on. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. and the TV like, doesn't like go out for like a list of mile until it away. Just gets out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, just before the house disappears into darkness. But yeah, there's there's a lot of the um a lot of the practical effects in this movie are really good. Like yeah. um yeah, just the the ball running through the house at the start. The um even even just a lot of the sets, like the whole pet food cannery set, is just like a big gory nightmare, all crazily lit. Again, very much like a music video. All yeah, that really it, it's got it's really got, stark, it, intense lighting. Yeah, with it's got like a really deep blue to it, and obviously the fog machines are going on in there too. And they got uh, 
but then there's there's the actual meat grinder itself, which mm-hmm. is like this huge red. Yeah, just a red <laughs> light that comes out. Like, yeah, yeah, and that and and that's where the climactic showdown happens between um, obviously the the husband and the boar and the uh, the Hicks as well, because the boar gets the Hicks there. But I loved the bit where he's trying to coax the boar because this is where you've seen <laughs> him. He's transitioned into like a hunter at this point. Yeah. And he's trying to coax the boar into getting onto the conveyor belt to go into the meat grinder. And he's, he's like, just like, kiss my ass. Yeah. And it's, it's cutting really, really fast between like a close up of the boar and then a shot of him. And then this extreme close up of the meat grinder. Uh, and the colors are switching so much and the lighting is switching so much that it's, it kind of creates this weird, again, it's like a, like a weird fever dream effect where you're kind of like, you can't really connect the actual geography because you can't see it, but you understand exactly what's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's something uh, about the that fight between uh, the the lead and the Razorback too. Is when he stabs the Razorback initially, he almost the Razorback seems to pull that that Urukai move from Fellowship of the Ring where he pulls it in closer <laughs> to him and it's just like, bro, oh, you think you're going to do this? I was like, is the, are you telling me right now that the Razorback is literally taunting him at this point? Like, it was it was pretty funny. I think, I don't know if that was intentional, but that's actually the vibe that I got. Because yeah. it seemed like the Razorback was just pulling just, into just it, you know? jets of blood shooting out of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On his face and everything, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. like squirting at him. I think they did a good job, like in that Jaws sort of sense of of not not ever really exposing too much of the um yeah of the bore. <laughs> the editing like done they really they well. definitely had it kind of they had its yeah they have its face come out they have it kind of blast through the house and stuff but you see it in these flashes you see sections of it you know um, I think they did pretty well with that I mean I I could definitely think of movies that I've seen in the past like. Uh, uh, do you remember that movie Jeepers Creepers with like yes. Justin Long in it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Uh, see, uh, my, my distinct memory of that movie is really enjoying the first half of it mm-hmm. where they had this thing kind of stalking this school bus full of kids, um, you know, a lot of like law building sort of stuff, um, really great atmosphere building. And then about halfway through, they just got this big monster thing just standing out in the daylight. And then you're seeing way too much of him for all the rest of the movie. Right. Yeah. And I think um, if you're talking, are you talking about the, the second one with the bus? Because like he, they even at a point, they I'm have close ups of his face and whole body. Like they don't even try to be subtle about it eventually. And I feel like, yeah, this movie did a good job of editing it minimally to make you almost think bigger of the Razorback. Yeah. And it, and it keeps that. Jaws vibe going as well of like this thing could just kind of come out of nowhere and snatch you at any moment as right. opposed to it just being in the room with you. Um, yeah. So yeah, even even all the, the shots like it just blasting in through the window of the of the pet food place towards the end. But yes, yeah, so a good good climax. Yeah, great climax. Uh, but I was gonna say I really loved the line when the the Hicks are talking to the husband. This is when they like first meet him, and he's like American, and he's like no Canadian. And they're like Canadians are American, ain't they? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they're American, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, same thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the um the those characters, the um the sort of you know hillbilly pet food <laughs> characters, they um 
They almost seem yeah, really. Yeah, I, I definitely got the vibe that he was. <laughs> yeah, well, he was going for he was going for like the obviously the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family kind of thing. Yeah. Um, even though there were only a couple of them and they they weren't like related or anything like that, but they were. I think they were the only characters where, like, um, everybody else in the movie when when they were talking, like the people at the pub and all the people in the outback town and stuff. Um, I like I made a note of the fact that like they're depicting real, really rural areas, but almost everybody's accents were what I would consider like relatively cosmopolitan. Mm. As in, like, not not really broad, not really over the top, you know. Like the difference between, you know, the, the accent of someone from, like, New York versus someone from South Carolina kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah, they all seemed like re- really quite neutral accents to me other than the two um, pet food guys. And I did wonder whether or not you guys would, like, need some subtitles for some of the stuff they I was, were. I was literally going to say that. I was going to watch it with subtitles. Well, they were quite, there was a point sort of where the rambling. Slang, yeah, the slang at a certain point, it was like, it felt like they improvise it. Like, it's not even words. They're, it was just rapid fire words that I've never heard before. And, uh, yeah, I was going to actually watch it with subtitles, but my... My download didn't allow that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was some uh, there was some interesting little little notes, like yeah. um, the there was a moment with um one of the one of the two slaughterhouse guys, where they had a shot that panned up from his feet to his head, and he was wearing um he was wearing like football socks from the uh, from the rugby league team um, okay. from the city I live in, <laughs> uh, which was very funny to me, like see, seeing the retro eighties footy socks on that guy. Yeah. And um, also, when they immediately offered, when the husband got there and they immediately offered him a drink of rum, uh, they said, "Do you want a, do you want a rum or something?" Mm-hmm. And um, and like that's an extremely outback drink. That's a very like North Queensland uh, oh, kind okay. of drink. That is the spirit of choice uh, for rum? like oh, okay. all pig hunting type dudes. Nice, nice. Um, but yeah, there were lots of, lots of little funny touches. <laughs> anyway, we're going to enter the reductive rating round on Razorback. Uh, Andrew, what does Razorback get from you? Ooh, I, I, really, I really enjoyed this one. Um, really vivid imagery, really cool stuff. Um, I'm, I'm going to go a four purely because um, I think it really would have been elevated by like some slightly more interesting performances or characters. Mm. Um, but like, like we said, everything, everything interesting was basically like the, the visuals, the sound, the lighting, um, the practical effects, all that sort of stuff. Um, it was just a bit unfortunate that the characters inside of that weren't terribly interesting in and of themselves. Yeah. So I'm uh, going to go four. I'm going to give it a four, uh, as well. And I'm, I'm going to basically go for the same thing. I just think that this movie is very incredibly directed, um, and very, very stylish, um, and, you know, a, a dude who's trying to mix George Miller and Spielberg and Hooper all together, I got to give him credit because he really does get the vibe of all of them and combines them in a way that is unique. Um, and, mm. yeah, it's probably uh, this and the and the Road Warrior got to be probably two of the best uh, Ozploitation stuff that I've seen. Yeah. Jane? Yeah. I'm, I am going to give it a three. Uh, oh. I, I, it's a strong three. I, I gotta say it almost got the four for me. Um, it's like visually I loved it, you know, uh, synth absolutely loved even some, even some small character moments, like, you know, when he would do this, the vendetta scream and, and things like that. Um, it's just certain <laughs> things fell apart for me, I guess, with, 
mostly the script. I mean, I felt it was very predictable. Mm. Uh, I felt like the, the lead character kind of lost his way. Like, I don't know what, like, you know, what we were discussing with him. I'm still a little confused to how I was supposed to feel when he finishes off the boar and he gets the girl hang off the meat hook. And then he's just like, yeah, "Yeah, freeze frame. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, So I was like, okay. It felt more like they just needed that uh, conventional ending. Um, And another thing that I felt, I, I, maybe they just did it on purpose, but I, I don't like how the, uh, the old guy went out. I felt like he he could have <laughs> went out a little a little tougher, you know, a little stronger. He the whole time he's mm. got this like oh, I'm going to get this motherfucker and then when it comes time that he is about to die from it, he kind of seems afraid and I felt like it would have been more true to his character mm. if he was just like bring it the fuck on Razorback, you know, that <laughs> that kind of thing. Um but yeah, it is it is Well a yeah, he's three, he's meant to be sure. like the old captain from Jaws. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and that's what I wanted. I wanted that uh Yeah. I wanted that ending where he just was like, fuck it. And, and, you know, just gave it his all, whether it meant his death or not. So there were just some, some shortcomings for me. It, it, was, it definitely movie. was a little odd that they ended up giving the husband the big vengeance kill when the grandpa yeah. is the big opening and you're right. like, damn, give it to him. That's but. what I was mostly invested in was the grandpa. Um, when it came to at least the, the vendetta towards the Razorback. So, um, yeah, it just came up short a little bit for me, but it's a strong three for sure. Yeah. So that's, that was Razorback and long weekend. That's going to be it for, uh, this week's episode. You want to say something? Yeah. There's just, there was (laughs) one thing, uh, apparently this, uh, critic, there was two things. One of them said that it was, uh, like Jaws with a wiggly tail, but then another one, uh, Anna Marie Deloso said that this was one of the great Australian embarrassments of the year. What? <laughs> yeah. That was on the, uh, oh, the wiki page. Oh. I'm like, disagree, Anna, disagree. <laughs> There's so much style. And fun yeah. I actually, I actually heard that long weekend, despite actually being relatively critical acclaimed, uh, mm-hmm. did terribly in Australia. Yeah. I think so both clearly of these you movies, guys don't like these movies <laughs> Yeah, until, until years later. <laughs> We have a we have a complicated relationship with our own movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that was long weekend and Razorback. Andrew, thanks so much uh, for coming on this week. Uh, if you've got anything you want to plug, this is the time. Do it up. Oh, well, if you are if you are interested in hearing about uh, Australian politics and uh, jokes about that kind of thing, um, you can check us out at Punta Vista Socialist Club. Uh, just on Twitter at Bunta Vista. Um, yeah, and actually, there's a couple of episodes that people who like this show might like to dig back and look at. We uh, we did one with um, illustrator and good friend of the show Eliza Gager about kind of the parallels between Australian and American cinema and culture. Um, so we do a whole examination of of kind of the the parallels between, I guess, both uh, the American West and the cowboy legend and everything versus uh, like Australian settlement, bush rangers, and we get into Mad Max and uh, all that kind of stuff. So Very if you're cool. interested in that sort of thing, uh, you can dig that one up. Awesome. Um, well, for us, obviously, you can find us at uh, on Twitter at at Pod, me at at the Josh L, Jamie. Uh, at Jamie Miller, ACAS, A-C-A-S, all and, lowercase. Yeah. And Andrew, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Illy Boshan. Sweet. Uh, so anyway, guys, thanks so much for listening. This has been a bit of a longer episode uh, for us. It was fun, though. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. I'm yeah. really glad that you brought uh, these movies because I otherwise probably wouldn't have checked these ones in yeah. particular thanks out. Thanks for coming, I man. hadn't heard of either at the time, so it was good to, good to have that. Uh, 
next week or not next week two weeks from now yes uh we're gonna be talking about the death wish films to coincide with the release are we doing death uh, wish and another movie or is it no we're gonna be doing we're gonna be doing death wish one two and three as one giant show trilogy okay yep and we're see i wasn't even aware of this folks here we go uh to uh (laughs) coincide with the release of eli roth's poorly timed remake of this particular (laughs) film uh he is gonna get eaten alive on principle for the fact of remaking this film. (laughs) Good timing, Uh, (laughs) Eli, as always. Um, But it's going to be fun. We're going to be talking about all the Death Wish movies. I had only ever seen the first one, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Thanks so much again, guys, for listening. Uh, You can find, uh, if, if you have the time, make sure to give us a rating and a review on iTunes. uh, And we will read them. And we will read them out on the show when you guys do that. (laughs) So if you guys hate the show, definitely review them. Yeah, because I'd love to read it. Um, (laughs) And uh, next month, our next episode is going to be the first week of March. March is when we start our two bonus episodes a month. So if you guys subscribe on Patreon, um, you guys will be getting two bonus episodes a month starting next month. Uh, Anyway, guys, thanks again so much for listening. Uh, Keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy.